to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. So we are taking the summer to reboot, uh, which means we are talking all summer long about the tried and true practices of the Christian tradition that orient our lives and feed us through knowledge in our bodies. As we're coming out of this time of Uh, of the pandemic, when we've been isolated and when all of our life rhythms have been a little bit out of whack, we're trying to reboot the basic operating system of the Christian life. And today, the practice that I want to share, of course, is Sabbath keeping. As a way to talk about Sabbath keeping, though, I want to talk a little bit about work. There's a lot of stories about work in the news these days, if you've been paying attention, and if you're not listening to the news, that's okay. There's good reason not to. But there are a lot of stories about how our work lives are changing because of this time that we've spent in this pandemic. Many people have been working from home. Raise your hand if you got a chance to work from home this year. Some of us have asked, why would I ever want to go back to an office? It's not bad working at home. Some of us have discovered that we love working remotely. Some of us have decided it's so much better to work remotely that that we're driving up real estate prices in communities like Asheville and Billings, Montana, right? We want to really be remote. Everybody who works from home has discovered you can be just as productive in your sweatpants as you are in a suit or a blouse. Now, those are the work stories that you hear for those of us who are in the mobile class. But there are lots of other pandemic work stories if you pay attention. There is incredible stress that continues to rest on the shoulders of healthcare workers, right? Folks who don't have the ability to work remotely, even and especially when the place that they work feels like the valley of the shadow of death. Teachers, holy smokes, y'all have had an incredible year trying to reach children and mentor and support and, and, and educate them through a screen. I hope you all get at least two months of absolutely nothing because you've worked incredibly hard this year. And of course, there are stories that we all know and are familiar with about our essential workers, a new label, a new term that we have learned this year, women who have to show up at the workplace for the rest of the world to actually work. And that word, of course, we've learned is also paradoxical, essential, because because many essential workers work for wages that don't actually pay the bills. If there is one essential fact about work that all of you should know, it's this. In no city in the United States can you work full-time at the median hourly wage and afford a two-bedroom apartment. Not one city in the U.S. That's how much we value essential workers. Everywhere, work is going through a kind of crisis. 
Our system of labor creates winners over here and losers in terms of pay and flexibility and security. But even the winners aren't happy about work, chafing at the ways that work binds and constricts our lives. I've never been as convinced as I am right now that something is clearly wrong with the way that we organize our work. Now, I'm not the first person to raise a flag about some of this stuff. I remember 15 years ago, there was a French middle manager who made headlines with a book that in French is titled Bonjour Paresse, which in English means, hello, laziness. The book was a ridicule of the corporate culture that she uh, inhabited, and the author strongly recommended that employees work as little as possible. And she provided all these strategies for employees to get away with it. The book was full of all sorts of gems like this one. You're a modern day slave. There's no possibility at work for personal fulfillment. What you do is pointless, she said. So work as little as possible and cultivate your personal network so that you're untouchable when the next restructuring comes around. And finally, you're not judged on merit but on whether you look and sound the part at work. So use jargon. People will suspect you know what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe some of that rings true for some of you. And I also know that some of you love the work that you did or do. But all of us, I think, have felt at times, even just for a minute, that someone was making decisions higher up on the food chain that didn't really have our best interests at heart. So critiques of corporate life and of working life uh, and of the role of work as an enforcer of conformity and compliance, these kind of critiques have been around for a long time. Timothy Leary told you to what? Turn on, tune in, and drop out. It's all about escaping the rat race to find a deeper, more meaningful rhythm in life. Even before Leary said that, Pete Seeger sang a great Malvin Reynolds song about boxes, little boxes. Anybody know that song? Yeah, all right, a few of you out there. It's a great, great song. It's about the inanity and the conformity of the workaday world. But here's the thing. As long as there's been work that presents itself as the be-all and end-all of the human life, there has been an undercurrent of rebellion saying, nuh-uh, no it ain't. And this rebellious undercurrent against the hegemony of work is biblical. Rebellion against the tyranny of work is biblical truth. Second chapter of Genesis, the culmination of the creation story. God's word says on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done and God rested on the seventh day. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Shabbat. Say that word with me. Shabbat. It's the Hebrew word from which we get the word Sabbath. It means stop. Literally, it means stop. It's one of those words that sounds exactly like what it means, right? Shabbat. It means stop it. Cut it out. Whatever you're doing, stop working. Surely you know that Jewish law prohibits doing work on the Sabbath. If you're faithful, if you want to love God and love your neighbor and yourself, you have to stop working one day every week. You can't cook. You can't mow the lawn. You can't turn on a light switch. You certainly can't turn on your cell phone. 
You have to do all that at least one day, a full day, every single week. I want to clarify this biblical prohibition against working on the Sabbath is not because work is bad. Work in general is good. Genesis affirms our calling to tend and keep the garden. Work is part, I think, of the good life. But work can never be our end. The end. The telos. The purpose. The purpose of all of our work, and in fact, all of our life, is that it points us toward delight. Delight is the point of life. We are created to delight and to rest in God's good creation. Amen? Amen. 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 So you do have obligations on the Sabbath. It's not a day free of obligation. But your obligations are not to your employer or to your own nagging conscience. Your duty is to be with your family and to be with your friends and to worship God. It's to play to have fun. So on the Sabbath, we're supposed to spend time with the people that we love. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed to do things for pleasure alone. We eat and drink, make love, walk in the good creation, worship God, and affirm that what God created is good. There's nothing to be done on the Sabbath. That's because no bit of work that any of us can do can add a darn thing to what God has already created. The Sabbath is a reenactment of the Garden of Eden. It is a foretaste of the world to come. In Eden and in the kingdom of God, there is none of us who punches a clock. Amen? God gave you the Sabbath. To show you that your striving is not the purpose of your life. Everything that you need is already here. There is enough. Now, I know, I know that you know that you need to rest. I know that you know that you need to rest. You get the importance of a day or two every week that's set aside for delight. You all get it, but not all of you do it. A lot of us blame ourselves for not keeping the Sabbath. It's my fault, right? I should be more disciplined. But the truth is that our economic system, the the water that we swim in, is a ravenous beast when it comes to our labor. Our economic system will never, listen to this, it will never take care of you. It will never ask what is best for you. Capitalism wants your labor. It has to have it and more of it. The great trick it plays on us is making us think that it's our fault for wanting to rest making us feel guilty for opting out. So I love and admire all the people who have figured out how to navigate around this ravenous beast to elude its clutches and make space in their lives for rest. Hello, laziness, yes. I respect even more those who understand that the beast will never be appeased and that it might have to be subdued or defeated if we are ever to arrive at a place called justice. 
I do believe that our economic system is at war with God's commandment to keep the Sabbath. And here's how I know. Sabbath keeping, as our ancestors understood it, was not just about a day off every week. The same holy wisdom that motivated that day off every week also motivated the community to forgive debts every seven years and restore land lost to indebtedness every 50 years. That's also keeping Sabbath. Sabbath keeping at its heart is an affirmation that every human being is to receive the same right of rest, the same basic affirmation of dignity. Every single human being has the right to enjoy the fruit of God's good creation, and there is no rest, no real Sabbath until the riches of God's creation are justly shared. No justice, no peace. So keeping the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath today is a revolutionary act. It's an act that says yes to the goodness of every human being. It's an act that says yes to the goodness of God's creation. It's an act that says yes to the sufficiency of God It says yes to the beloved community among all of God's people. And here you were just thinking you were sitting in a hammock and taking a nap. So how can you, how can you reclaim the deep wisdom and the deep rhythm of Sabbath for your own life? Good question for you to take away this morning. I want to offer a few suggestions. Number one, examine your own unconscious need to work. Examine your need to be needed. Many of you, and I count myself among this illustrious group, get our identity from the work that we do. Work is a place, it's a thing that allows you to feel needed and useful. And and we get kind of addicted to that feeling. And you just need to cut it out. You need to Shabbat. You need to stop. Your work may be important, but it is not all of you. There must be times during your week when you are not accessible to your work or to any work. You don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to ask any more questions. Don't hedge. Just stop working. The second thing I want you to do is to examine your relationship to technology. Now, I'm not speaking today from a place of mastery. (laughs) I am speaking to you as a fellow addict. The first step is admitting you are powerless over your device. Amen? (laughs) Do not fool yourself, though. This is not downtime. Your phone is a tool for companies to find you and target you with advertising. Every single time you pick up that device, you are being sold. You are part of a commercial transaction. So in order for you to keep the Sabbath and keep the spirit of the Sabbath, you have to put 
your device down. Now those two powerful thou shalt nots, right? Two powerful things. Examine your unconscious need to work and stop working and examine your relationship to technology and put down your device. Here's the thou shalt, right? Thou shalt find your delight. Yes, find your delight. The Sabbath was made for delight, for your delight. If you want to reboot your life after this time of quarantine, if you want to get your internal rhythms right, if you want to, if you want to find a nourishing rhythm for your life, reconnect with your own experience of delight. Make room for the things that you enjoy. I got to spend a bit of time with my dad about a week or so ago. He is recently retired, but you kind of never know it. <laughs> the truth is he's still working a lot, and that's because he loves his work and he's good at it. But we were having a cup of coffee and I got to say to my dad, Dad, what is it that you enjoy doing? And it was like no one had ever asked him that question before. So I'm asking you now, what do you enjoy doing? What do you do simply because it gives you joy? It's not just a question for you who are retired. What do you do just simply for the delight of it? It could be reading or playing tennis or hiking or playing with grandchildren or gardening or riding a bike or going to a neighborhood festival or knitting or woodworking or dancing or laughing or eating and drinking with friends. Anything that intrinsically produces pleasure and joyfulness, that is what the Sabbath is for. And some of y'all need to remember what you enjoy doing. What a cool thing it would be this week if every single one of you went home and asked among your friends and family, what do you do that delights you? And you got to make them answer, right? It's not a hypothetical question. Make room, give permission to one another to do things that delight you at least once a week. Last thing I'll say is that some of you are in a position of power. You have a say, some of you, over how other people get to do their work. So I invite you to embrace a bit of Sabbath thinking in the way that you supervise others. Do all the folks that work with you get to enjoy a Sabbath? Does everyone that you work with get to enjoy real breaks from work, real weekends, real vacations? And can they live on the money they make from the hard work they do alongside you? Sabbath is about rest. It's an affirmation about the dignity of every human being. It's an affirmation that when God made every single one of you, God did a good thing. God made you to delight in one another and in God. Are you looking to reboot? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Let the church say, Amen. Amen.
So with those words and those images on our minds and in our hearts, let us come together in a time of prayer. Will you find a posture of prayer that suits your body and your spirit, maybe finding your feet on the floor, relaxing into this Sabbath day, closing your eyes or casting a gentle gaze on something in the room, and finally settling in with your breath? Let us pray. God, it was at the end of the six days of creation that you took a rest. And because we are gathered in your presence on this day of rest, we offer these prayers to you. First, we pray, O oh God, that you would help us to know you during this Sabbath. From nothing, God, you made this world and all that's in it. You spoke words and the earth teemed with life. God, we rejoice in your creative power. And we remember that on the seventh day you rested as if you had all the time in the world. Help us to know you in that same kind of satisfied rest. Secondly, O oh God, we pray that we might know ourselves during this Sabbath time. We know that we often flee the quiet. We prefer the noise and the commotion to a space where we might hear your still small voice. Our schedules are full, so full that when we finally stop, we fall asleep. But even in our sleep, we toss and we turn. We long to find our rest. May we find our rest in you, O oh God. May we find time to explore our own inner lives. May we find time each week to build up the sanctuary of our own hearts. Help us on this Sabbath day, O oh God, to know ourselves. And finally, O oh God, we pray this day that you would help us to grant to each other a Sabbath rest. May we grant to each other the presence of peace. May we give to each other space for grace. Help us to work 
to free one another from a world of endless labor and struggle. We pray today for all the people that we know who are locked in the grip of sickness, of suffering, and of addiction, who never feel free to rest. We pray today for all of us who feel adrift in the constant ebb and flow of life. We pray for each one of us who do not feel at peace with ourselves or with our beloved neighbors. We pray for all who work and watch and weep on this Sabbath day. Help us that we might help them, O oh God. And where we cannot help, we pray that your presence would be known, bringing peace that passes understanding. God, this very day in which we live and move and have our being is our gift from your hands. This day is an expression of your love for us. So we thank you, God, for this rhythm of rest in our lives. We do hear you. And we do feel your presence when we stop and look and listen. God, thank you for being with us today and every day. We pray these words in the name of Jesus, who taught us whenever we'd gather to say, Our Father, Mother in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.